This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> Hi, man. Uh, howdy. How's it going, man? It's good. Good. So, real quick, I wanted to throw this by you uh, and all of you people at home thinking about a business adventure for us. Something we can sell in the merch store. A, a business adventure. Right. Let's see if you think this is a good idea. <laughs> I think he means business venture. No, it's going to be an adventure. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it's going to we're selling dehydrated water. So think about that. We sell dehydrated water. What in, do you add? Just add water. <laughs> and it'll be for emergency situations. You can take it out camping in little bags. And all you got to do to get water, you just add water to it. What do you think? Just add water to the water. Mm-hmm. Dehydrated water. I've heard that joke before. Right. I bought powdered water, but I didn't know what to add. <laughs> yeah, it's not my own. I recycled that one. So, guys, uh, we want to have y'all go over to graveyardpodcast.com and check out everything that's over there. Go check out our merch. Uh, Ashley uploads pics for every episode that she loads on there for us so you can go see some pics of these lake monsters that we've that we've been talking about this month and everything you can listen to the episode straight from there and you can click on the link to buy tickets to our live event that we're doing october 20th that's right and they, hey it's going to be a great time um so if you want to come out you want to hang out with us talk to us Make fun of us, whatever, you know, we, we don't care. It's just going to be fun. Right. So going to be a hangout with Hillbilly Horror Stories, EVP Mediums, and Macabre Melts, and we're going to talk to the guys from EVP Mediums, let you guys ask them questions. We'll ask them questions. Y'all can ask us questions, and, you know, Matt and I are working on a little question game thing for you guys where y'all can win some stickers and buttons and stuff if you know the right answer. Yeah, so I'm, I've been tooling around on Macabre Melts uh, shop. Mm-hmm. They have some pretty cool stuff, right? Right. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Um, so you'll want to come out there and meet her and the guys from EVP Mediums and Hillbilly Horror Stories, and it's just going to be a good evening. And it's only ten dollars. That's right. So go over, click that link, get you a ticket. Don't miss out on that. Um, another thing. We spoke about Serious Rising last week that we're going to do an episode on that. In getting into it, it is a very, very involved subject. And Matt and I's I's tiny little brains are going to need a little bit more time to get an episode worked out for you guys. Um, So it's not going to be next week. It's not going to be next episode, I mean, because we are off next week, but... Um, we are going to get it in there as soon as you can. We're going to go ahead and do just a normal episode next time, and we'll let you know when Serious Rising is coming up. Yeah, and 
Amanda can always tell when we're researching something that's really deep because she looks at it and I'm, my eyes are crossed and I'm drooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his shirt is a little wet. Yeah, you know. Ah. Well, Matt's checked out again. It must be a heavy episode. I found another rabbit hole, (laughs) and I can't find my way back to the one I got here from. (laughs) Right, he's up till like four in the morning, staring at a screen. That never happens. No, no. Um, so a little bit of uh, good news and bad news for you guys. Um, the bad news is. Our roving reporter Randy is still in recovery this week. Um, so we. We so, will not have an episode wait, from him. You you said that wrong, right? That, tell me what the bad news is. That, that is the bad news. The The good news is he's coming back at some point. Oh, I guess that's all relative. It, yeah, it's a relative <laughs> thing. It, I mean, so good news for some of you guys, he'll be back. Bad news for others, um, he'll, maybe, he'll maybe be back. Maybe bad news for him. Yeah, it might be the way it's going, poor guy. Um. So this is the last episode of Lake Monster Month. So it's it's going to be a big one. We'll get into that here in a minute. But we are going to be off next week. So if you're not caught up, it gives you time to catch up on all our episodes. If you are, go back and listen to some of your favorite episodes and, you know, go go listen to some of our past episodes or for those of you that are new to the show, um, go back and catch those ones at the very beginning. Um you can you you can hear that we actually sound dumber then than we do now, right? I, I suggest, <laughs> or, yeah. Or I'm sorry, yeah. Or uh, go check out some of the other shows on the Dark Mist Collective, right? Um, all of these shows have a very similar theme, and if you dig our show, I guarantee you you're going to find at least a handful of shows that you're going to dig 1530 at, something yeah, like that at org. right and uh you know i, I was going to say i suggest you you not like pay too much attention to our first episodes because uh, that you know it's a little embarrassing where <laughs> where we started but uh i mean i'm still proud of them but you know right. looking at it it's like eh. you know um, it, it's like when you know it's like having a child you know we've got you got Several children, and you've got that one that, you know, picks his nose and eats it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, but I still love him. Yeah, still <laughs> still love him, that booger eater, you know. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, while you're waiting on us to come back, go check out some of our past episodes, or like Matt said, go check out any of our brethren and sistren over at Dark Myths. So this being the last Lake Monster Month episode, we did it a little differently. Yeah. Um We've been covering a couple topics per episode this month, and we've co-researched them. Um, but this month, we wanted to go big, and or this week, we wanted to go big, sorry. And we decided that Matt was going to get one topic, and I was going to get another topic, and we were going to do it that way. And that way, I teach Matt, Matt teaches me, and we both teach you guys some stuff that you may or may not know. So, Matt, what are we talking about this week? Okay, so tonight we are going to discuss um, two of uh, maybe the the most famous creatures ever. Um, because you can't have Lake Monster Month without the Loch Ness Monster. Right. And I'm going to be covering that. 
and Adam is going to be talking about Tahoe Tessie. Right. So Nessie's well, cousin. Yep, yeah, Nessie's cousin. <laughs> Nessie got a lot of cousins. Apparently. You know. <laughs> that that is one thing that bothers me though about all these lake monsters is it they're always like, well, it's the United States Nessie or it's the right. the Swedish Nessie. It's like, no, no, no. Pick something else. You right. know, I know that she he is famous. You know, everybody knows her, but it's not all the same. Right. And give them their due fame. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So going into uh, going into researching Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, um, most everybody that you meet knows the story of the Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. or has at least heard of it. I guess if you live under a rock, maybe not. But at, at some point, it, it's come up. And so I, I got thinking, that Nessie, there, there's not another creature with the exception of maybe Bigfoot mm-hmm. that has just been immortalized. Right. You know, is an icon, um, you know, from big money rewards for, you know, photographs or videos or its capture to grand scale searches, Mm -hmm. tourism, TV specials, staunch believers, people that absolutely say there is something down there to, uh, to flat out hoaxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the story and the legend of the Loch Ness monster has got all of it. Right. Okay. Um, in fact, People have dedicated their lives to researching and hunting Nessie. Um, one in particular, and this guy, he is he he still he is still underway. He's still doing this, and he's been in the news in, in those side news stories um, a few times over the last couple of years. It's uh, Steve Feltman. And Steve's a 53-year-old gentleman, he quit his job, said goodbye to his girlfriend, and began a three-year project to prove or disprove the Loch Ness Monster. Now, 27 years later, he continues his quest. In 2015, he was attributed with saying Nessie was a catfish, but in reality, he said Nessie could be. A Wells catfish. Right. Um, he didn't say it was. He said that it could be. And Feltham holds the Guinness World Record for the longest monster hunt of Loch Ness. So, yeah. I mean, I don't really mm. know that there's that many people competing with him for that title. No, no. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people saying, yeah, but, dude, you can have it. But there are a lot of people that have dedicated a large portion of their life to researching and studying and and actually hunting the Loch Ness monster. Um but Feltman uh Feltum, I said that wrong. Feltum, uh he just released a brand new website uh about a week ago. And it's nessiehunter.co.uk. Uh it came out on July 10th of this year. So that tells you how current mm-hmm. his his search is. Uh and he has an official blog. Now he's been blogging this stuff for a while, but this is his first real website that's dedicated to this. Um, 
you can see photos, you can see videos, you can read his blog and and go through more Nessie information than you can ever imagine. And it, it's all based on the the 27 years that uh, that Steve has has researched the Loch Ness monster. But let's get into some history uh, of the lake and the legend. Okay, so Loch Ness is located in the Scottish Highlands. It has the highest volume of fresh water in Great Britain. Um, the lake reaches a depth of nearly 800 feet and a length of about 23 miles. And it's this immense depth that fuels the fire for the Loch Ness Monster legends. Now, there have been accounts of a creature or a monster living in Loch Ness for about 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is not new. Um, The scholars around Loch Ness that have done a lot of this research, they found dozens of references to Nessie in Scottish history, dating back to around 500 A.D., when the local Picts carved a strange aquatic creature into standing stones near Loch Ness. Now, the earliest written reference to a monster in Loch Ness is a 7th century biography of St. Columbia. Columba. Columbia? It's Columba. Columba? Columba. Is that like uh, that TV show with the guy in the trench coat? That solved the mystery. Yeah, no, that's, that's Columbo. Columbo. Never mind. So, yeah, Columba, uh, and, and he had an eye that would go a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Chewed a cigar. Yeah. Anyway, so St. Columba was an Irish missionary who introduced Christianity to Scotland. And in 565 AD, according to the biographer, St. Columba was on his way to visit the king of the northern Picts near in Inverness, when he stopped at Loch Ness to confront a beast that had been killing people in the lake. Seeing a large beast about to attack another man, St. Columba intervened, invoking the name of God and commanding the creature to go back with all speed. The monster retreated and never harmed another man. So, that's why we don't have stories of uh, Nessie attacking people. Right. Just, you know, hanging out and looking at them, I guess. Right. You know, well, I can't attack you. I'm just saying, sup? <laughs> what up, dude? Just letting y'all know I'm here. Yeah. Want to take my picture? Sorry, can't. <laughs> you got to ask his permission. No right. way. That's another show. You got to go through his people first. That's right. That's right. So let's talk about some of the sightings. And I, I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm going to talk about the ones that I thought were the coolest. We don't have time for because, you to go into all. Man, yeah, I mean, by the time the show dropped, I'd still be talking. <laughs> in this case. So in 1933, a road was constructed that ran along the shore of Loch Ness, and that gave travelers an excellent view of the lake. Now, on May 2nd of that year, a couple was traveling along the road and reported seeing quote, an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface. And it was after this sighting that the interest in the Loch Ness Monster really began to to grow rapidly. Media correspondents flocked to Scotland to catch a glimpse of the so-called monster. Uh, A circus even offered a reward of 20,000 pounds for the beast's capture. 
That's a lot of money. That's man. a lot of money. That's and for 1933, yeah, that's some mm-hmm. that's some greenbacks there, right? Um, so later that year, another couple claimed that they saw Nessie out of the water, lumbering across the road right in front of them. And London's Daily Mail hired a big game hunter named Marmaduke Wetherell to trap Nessie. What a name. Marmaduke is a good name, man. Yeah. I like that name. <laughs> Marmaduke. Wasn't there a... Uh, it's a dog. Yes. Cartoon dog. Yes. Yep. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to name my next dog Marmaduke. I don't remember much about the cartoon. Marmaduke was... Wasn't he the giant dog? No, no it was that Clifford. was Clifford. Yeah. Okay. Marmaduke. So, join and, us next week on Cartoon Cast. Right. It was Marmaduke and Clifford. Mar- Clifford was a really big one. Marmaduke was the little yellow dog. I remember I that... Remember that Heathcliff and Marmaduke were together on this. Yes, show. Heathcliff like, was a, a cat, right? Yeah. Yep. Heathcliff and Marmaduke. Yeah. God, we're old. Yeah, old, and we we like to find tangents and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that too. So, so Marmaduke goes, and after a few days of searching around the lock. He reports finding footprints of a large four-legged animal. And in response, the Daily Mail carried the dramatic headline, Monster of Loch Ness is not legend, but fact. That's right. heavy. So, yeah. So that's a big-time deal right there. So old Marmaduke says, check it out. I found these footprints, and it's real. And... The newspaper says, yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's run this headline. Big letters. People are going to go nuts. That's a big news story. They went nuts. When uh, when the big headline hit, the boom started. There's a monster. We've got confirmation. People start flocking to that area. Um, you know, tourists, journalists, whoever. They they wanted to be the one that, that got the footage or saw the monster or whatever. They they were in on it. So in 1934, a photograph surfaces. And this is the photograph that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So if if you know about Nessie, you've seen this photograph. It's a black and white picture. It shows a hump in the water and a long neck with what looks like a head, you know, coming off of the neck. You know, it's it's just a photograph. It doesn't move, but it has been the photograph of the Loch Ness monster forever. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was the photograph. I've got a silhouette of that outline on my truck, actually. Yeah, it's a sticker of Loch of Nessie, and it's that actual outline. Yeah, and that photograph was dubbed the surgeon's photograph. Now. This is reportedly the very first photo of the creature's head and neck, supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, who was a London gynecologist. It was published in the Daily Mail. There's that paper again. Hmm. On the 21st of April in 1934. Now, originally, Wilson refused to have his name associated with it because he did not want to be known um, for this particular photograph. I mean, he was a well-respected physician. so. He, he doesn't really want to be tied to this. Now, according to Wilson, he was looking at the lock when he saw the monster. 
and he grabbed his camera and snapped four photos. Only two came out clearly. And the first one shows a small head and back, and the second shows a similar head in a diving position. Now, the first photo became well-known, and the, the second really didn't attract a whole lot of attention because it's, it's kind of blurry. So the first one is the one that everybody knows. Now, for a number of years, this photo was considered evidence of the monster. But skeptics would dismiss it as driftwood, uh, a bird, an elephant, an elephant, mm -hmm. elephant, elephant swimming mm -hmm. is what it said. Okay, sure. Why not? An escaped seal, monkeys. Yeah, yeah you name it. Dead monkeys, <laughs> yeah, right. you know. A dog's butt. UFO, whatever. You know, it's just, it's not a lake monster because it just can't be. But the the scale of the photo was pretty controversial because you you can't tell how big it is. Mm -hmm. There's no frame of reference. I mean, it's just what's in the photo and water. Right. You know, I could take a picture of a Hot Wheels car on the road, and if I take it in the right way, you can't tell if it's a full-size car or if it's a miniature. Right. So that's what people were saying. You know, we really don't know because we don't see any trees. We don't see a boat. You know, if we saw that, we could get an idea of how big this thing really is. Right. Um, also, the picture is often cropped. So if you Google this, you'll see what I'm talking about. The picture that everybody sees, the Nessie in the picture takes up a majority of the frame. But the actual uncropped photo is taken from such a distance that you can tell that it looks fairly small in comparison to the rest of the lake. But just like anything else, if you zoom in on it and you crop out everything else, you know, you could say, man, this thing was 30 feet long. Okay. Old Tommy Photoshop. That's right. You know. That's right. The ripples in the photo were found to fit the size and pattern of small ripples, unlike large waves that a creature of this size would have produced. So, again, skeptics were really analyzing this. Now, a analysis of the original picture caused more doubt. And in 1993, um, the makers of a documentary on Loch Ness that ran, uh, I believe ran on the Discovery Channel, discovered uh, the uncropped image and found a white object visible in every version of the photo. That implies that it was on the negative. It was believed to be the cause of the ripples. And if the object was being towed, although the possibility that it was just an anomaly, mm -hmm. you know, on the photo negative, uh, but they couldn't rule it out. So the full analysis decided that this object must have been small, about 60 to 90 centimeters, not 30 feet. Right. So since 1994, most people will agree that this photo is really an elaborate hoax. Which is unfortunate. Right, because for years people took this photo as evidence that there really was, uh, you know, a creature, Nessie, within that lake. Mm -hmm. and, and so many people had spent time and money to, to hunt and to search and to research, you know, to dig into the wildlife that 
you know, lives in the lake. This just was was very, very disheartening. But it's just one photograph. Right. And when you understand how this photograph came to be, then you you understand why uh, it was a hoax. So, old Marmaduke, old Marmaduke, when he came back to the uh, to the Daily Mail and told him, "I found these footprints, and that's our evidence," and they ran this headline. Well. The footprints turned out to be a hoax themselves, made by an umbrella stand made from a dried hippo foot, which, as crazy as that sounds now, was not all that uncommon, you know, in the 1930s. I got three of them in the closet. Awesome, man. What, yeah, let's go start. Just, man, we just need one more. Right. We need one more and we, <laughs> we can, can make a messy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you've got a spare hippo foot, yeah, let me right. know. I need to borrow it. That's right. So yeah, anybody's got one of those, we need it. We need a fourth to make our Nessie. So <laughs> the footprints turned out to be a hoax. So it it just shattered Marmaduke uh, Marmaduke's credibility. And I'm just calling him Marmaduke like we're on a first name basis, but I like saying it. So anyway, he was so upset, and and his credibility was shot. And the Daily Mail they didn't want him. They didn't want him around anymore. He wanted to get revenge. So Marmaduke comes up with this plan with a man named Christian Sperling, his son, Ian, and a man named Maurice Chambers, who was also an insurance agent. So they went and bought a toy submarine. And Sperling modeled the head and neck out of wood putty. So they go out and they recruit this local surgeon named Wilson to come along and take the photo because he's got inherent credibility because he's a physician. Right. So they put it out in the water and they snap the photographs and leaving only the one that's clear and visible. Mm -hmm. Now, we know this because in 94, Sperling came clean. And he explains how they did it and that it is not just a thought that it's a it's a hoax, that it truly was after 60 years later. Legitimately a hoax. Legitimately a hoax. So we we know now that the most famous evidence of Nessie is actually a hoax, which does kind of cast a shadow over the rest of the story. But does that stop everybody from believing Absolutely not. So let's talk about the uh, the other evidence that has been collected and what has been what has been decided about it. So on the 29th of May in, in 1938, a South African tourist named G.E. Taylor filmed something in the lake for three minutes on 16 millimeter color film. The film was obtained by Maurice Burton, who was a famous science writer at the time. And he didn't show it off to anybody else. And a single frame was was published in his in his book, The Elusive Monster. But at the end, he concluded that it must have been a floating object. So another one, 1954. We're going to jump ahead. They 
do sonar readings of the lake, looking for something down there. So December 1954, they took sonar readings on a fishing boat called the Rival 3. And its crew noted a large object which was keeping pace with the boat at a depth of 146 meters, or about 479 feet. It was detected for 800 meters before contact was lost and then regained. Now, previous sonar attempts to find Nessie were inconclusive, so this was really the first sonar evidence that there was something large down there. But, again, not conclusive. Mm -hmm. So a year later, a gentleman named Peter McNabb was at uh, Urquhart Castle on July 29th, and he took a photo that depicted two long black humps in the water. Now, the photograph wasn't made public until it appeared in Constance White's 1957 book about the monster. On the 23rd of October in 1958, the same photo was published by the Weekly Scotsman. And Arthur Ronald Benz wrote that the phenomenon which McNabb photographed could easily be a wave effect resulting from three trawlers traveling closer together on the lock. So again, we've got some evidence. Yeah, whatever. It's this. It's that. It's a dead monkey. Whatever. Now, I I just hate the brushing off all the time. You know, like it's okay to say that it might be something else. Right. But it's such a dismissive right. thing that it bothers me. You right. know, I'm I'm not saying I 100% believe that there's lock, uh, a Loch Ness Monster, but you're being so condescending. That's right. You know, there's no need as a scientist to be condescending just because nobody has any legitimate evidence of anything. Right. Because how much of stuff that is science fact now did we not have evidence of a hundred years ago? Right. And people were condescending then. And if know? I if I took a photo of something and showed it to you, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me it's something right. else. But don't dismiss me. Right. You know. I mean, if I've if I've got evidence that that I think is one thing, then I'm believing it. Mm-hmm. So don't dismiss me because that's only going to fuel it. You know, if you can show me, well, I think it could be this, or I think it could be that. That's fine, but right. don't brush me off. Right. But that's kind of what happened to McNabb in the beginning. But other researchers studied the photograph, and they felt like it was a hoax. Now, a gentleman named Roy Mackle requested to use the, the picture in a 1976 book. He received the original negative from McNabb to use it, but when he investigated it, he discovered that it was different from the photograph that appeared in the in Constant White's book. The tree at the bottom left in White's was missing from the negative. So he began to suspect that the photo had been doctored all along. Mm. So, so again, maybe he needed to be dismissed. But they didn't have enough evidence then to do right, that. So, right. Uh, Wait till had, you're, yeah. you know, you don't go to war with an empty clip, you know. <laughs> That's Make right. sure you've got That's your right. evidence in hand before you go to war with somebody. Yeah. Um, then there's the case of the Loch Ness Muppet, 1977. I love that name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 that the Loch Ness Monster was actually Jim Henson swimming around in scuba gear. with a- no. <laughs> It wasn't Kermit the Frog. <laughs> hey, ho, Loch Ness Monster here. <laughs> 
that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so on May 21st in 1977, Anthony Doc Shields was camping next to Urquhart Castle. And he took some of the clearest pictures of the monster, you know, up to this day. Shields was a magician and a psychic, and he claimed to have summoned the animal out of the water. <laughs> he later described it as an elephant squid, claiming the long neck shown in the photograph is actually the squid's trunk, quote unquote. And the white spot at the base of the neck is his eye. Now, due to the lack of ripples in the photograph, it's been declared a hoax by a number of people because it looks so staged. Right. And we've talked about this before. When somebody is presenting to you photographic evidence, if it just looks like the most perfect picture of something, you know, almost like it's it's a ghost taking a selfie, then you got to think, man, yeah, it don't it, look like it's, that. It's worth at that point, it's worth looking into and and trying to debunk it. Right. You know, because it's that old adage and you hear it all the time. If it's too clear, it's a fake. If it's too fuzzy, it's a fake. That's, right. That's right. So, you know, it, it. yeah, like you said, no ripples, no nothing. Let's look into this a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Let's not take it at face value. So, so Shields photograph, you know, also debunked. Uh, but then we go... We jump forward to 2007, and a 55-year-old laboratory technician named Gordon Holmes videotaped what he said was this jet black thing about 14 meters long, moving fairly fast through the water. Okay. Now, a marine biologist named Adrian Shine, uh, who had studied Loch Ness, described the footage as, this is the best I've ever seen. All right, so now I've got this. I've got this video. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a marine biologist saying that this is the best one. Right. But dig what happened. So, uh, so the BBC Scotland broadcasted the video on May 29th of 2007, and they interviewed Holmes. They also interviewed Adrian Shine, and Shine suggested that the footage was an otter, a seal, or a water bird. <laughs> <laughs> So I told you go like, hey, man, you said this was the best footage that you've ever seen. Well, it was of an otter, a seal or a water bird. I didn't say what it was the best footage of. (laughs) I just haven't seen that good a footage of an otter. You know, all otters I've seen have been blurry. This was great. So, you know, we can go on and on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting here looking at pages and pages of of documented video photographic evidence that has has somehow been debunked sonar image taken in 2011 um found an enormous object um at the towards the bottom of the area where they were doing the the sonar a bloom of algae or zooplankton okay um you've got uh the George Edwards photograph, 2011. Um, and, and that, I mean, we're getting a lot closer. You know, we're getting, you know, m- more to, towards present day. And, and there's still people out there hunting and taking, you know, video video and photographic evidence. So George Edwards claimed that a photo he took on November 2nd, 2011, shows Nessie. Edwards claimed to have searched for the monster for 26 years and reportedly spent 60 hours a week on the lock aboard his boat. The Nessie Hunter 4 was the name of his boat. 
So that means that, you know, he done lost three of them. Right. You know. After you lose a couple boats, you need to, like, rethink what you're doing there. We need a bigger boat. Yeah. Or a sturdier (laughs) boat. One without a hole in it. Yeah. So he says, he takes this, he's taking these tourists out on on rides, and, and he says, in my opinion, it looks like it's a manatee, but not a mammal. So when people see three humps, they're probably just seeing three separate monsters, or they're seeing three separate seals, which we've seen video evidence right. of, right. you know, um, you know, three seals kind of messing around in the water, um, from a distance, even in the, in the photograph or the video, it, it, it looks like something else, but it was confirmed, you know, it's seals. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you start thinking about that, you know, modern day evidence and you, knock 60 years off of it you know somebody might they may not be able to get zoomed in that close right you know they they may have a a a poorer camera and can't get that really good picture and over the years it just becomes well that's it that's got to be look look at the humps Mm -hmm. look at the waves that's what it is and it and it you know, it could have been a seal or seals all along, you know, that these people were seeing. Um, but we know for a fact that a lot of the people were seeing a hoax. Right. You know, so, uh, and, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, Apple Maps and, and Google Street View, they've got pictures of stuff that's in the lake, mm-hmm. you know, heck, you know, from a satellite, that could be anything. But I wanted to touch on this because I thought this was cool. Operation Deep Scan. Uh, in 1987, so Operation Deep Scan, 24 boats equipped with echo sonar equipment were deployed across the width of the lock and simultaneously sent acoustic waves downward into the water. So according to the BBC, the scientists had made sonar contact with an unidentified object of unusual size and strength. I don't know how in the heck they know how strong it is. Yeah, he's, like, he's big, he must be strong. Strength too. measuring sonar. Yeah, I guess. The researchers came back, they rescanned the area, and analysis of the echo sonar images seemed to indicate debris at the bottom of the lot. Although there was motion in three of the pictures, um, and again, Adrian Shine popping up again, you know, the otter lover, um, based on their size, they could be seals which had entered the lot. But sonar expert Daryl Lawrence, founder of Lawrence Electronics, donated a number of echo sonar units used in the operation. And after examining a sonar return indicating a large moving object at a depth of 180 meters or 590 feet near Urquhart Bay, Lawrence said, there's something here that we don't understand. And there's something here that's larger than a fish. Maybe some species that hasn't been detected before. I don't know. So, there's evidence of something going on in Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not all of these things are hoaxes and not all of them are seals, mm-hmm. you know, but there's something there. Is it a lake monster? Personally, I don't think so. Right. But I do believe that there is a, an animal that is larger than what would the average size for that animal would be. Right. There's a population to continue the the sightings over a span of hundreds of years, mm-hmm. 
and we just haven't been able to pin it down to exactly what it is. And the reason for that, and and I and I jump back to a line from one of my favorite movies, Hunt for Red October. When they're talking about that submarine having the silent drive, that you could actually hear it on sonar, mm-hmm. but that it was so quiet that the report would come back that it was magma displacement or I love it or whales humping. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> or something else that is just uh, it's a normal thing. And then it, you know, it, it comes back to you as an anomaly, yeah, but it's a normal thing. Data misinterpreted. Yes. And we just haven't been able to say. Absolutely. It was, you know, there there's a population of seals that live here. There's some other large, uh, you know, aquatic creature that's here that we didn't know was here. Right, right. And the lake is so deep that we just haven't been able to say, there it is, and that's what it is. Not a monster. It, it's it's just a it's just a big animal or animals that people have been seeing for all these years, and they they're absolutely known, but we just didn't know they were here, or we didn't know that there were this many here, right, or that they right. could get this big. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense. So the question comes up, what really could it be? And we've hinted and joked about this kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it's most likely, in my opinion, the misidentification of other known animals. Like the theory of the bird, the bird wake, you know, that some of these large aquatic birds you know, will actually leave a wake as they as they fly over or as they are are fishing. You know, they they dip down, they see a fish on that's coming to the surface, and boom, you know, they've caught the fish and the bird's flying off. And as it swooped down, you know, somebody's looking out there and they say, oh, "There's something moving us under the surface because look at the wake." Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, you know, I, sounds sounds plausible. Eels. Which is another one. It's a it, it's a favorite one, right? But eels are much more common in Loch Ness, and you know we've uh, we talked about the photograph of, of a twenty foot moray eel that was right. caught off the coast of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. You know, so could one of these you know big suckers or multiple ones get in Loch Ness? Sure, maybe. I mean, sure. you know, why not? Uh, you know, so. When you start thinking outside of the box, you know, you think about an eel, you think about something that's about the size of a snake, you know, not an anaconda, a regular snake, you know, something that could be anywhere from four to six feet long. Um, You know, that's what you think of. Right. Okay. But when you see a photograph of a fisherman with a 20 foot moray eel and the ridge on their back and that large head and those teeth, then you begin to think, hmm. If I consider something like that, then the idea that somebody has seen a creature in the water, it, it makes a lot more sense. Sure. Okay. And, you know, I think eels are creepy looking anyway. Cool, but creepy. And, oh, de- yeah. and delicious, by the way. Never eaten one. Yeah. Well, I've never just eaten an eel, but I've eaten sushi that had eel on it. And it's good. <laughs> sushi. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't look, but it doesn't look like an eel. I mean, it's not like you got an eel wrapped up on your plate. It's sushi. I don't know. <laughs> I've tried it. Can't do sushi. And, yeah. But, you know, my, an elephant, my favorite. It's an elephant. And there was an actual article in 1979 where a California biologist Dennis Power 
And uh, geographer Donald Johnson claimed that the surgeon's photograph was the top of the head, an extended trunk, and flared nostrils of a swimming elephant photographed somewhere else and then claimed to be from Loch Ness, which makes a lot more sense because I don't think elephants are native to uh, I was just about to Scotland. ask when, when the last <laughs> elephant was found in... Well, you know, they escape from circuses all the time. That's true. Yeah. Along with monkeys. But again, you know, in 2006, um, paleontologist artist Neil Clark suggested that a traveling circus might have allowed an elephant to take a bath in the lot. I don't think so. No. But I I love the fact that elephant is one of the theories. Yeah, and then it's been a repeated theory. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And it goes from Greenland shark... You know, there's a possibility that a Greenland shark could have somehow gotten adapted to fresh water. Also, the water in Loch Ness is really cold, mm-hmm. too. So it would it would have to adapt to temperature as well. I've heard Greenland shark a whole lot um, yeah. for, I think, even Jeremy Wade, the river monsters guy, when he went to Loch Ness, he thinks it's a Greenland shark. Yeah. But let's think about it. A Greenland shark can get up to 20 feet in length. Mm -hmm. They inhabit the North Atlantic Ocean, mostly around Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Norway, maybe Scotland. It's dark in color. It has a very small dorsal fin, um, and it technically could survive in fresh water, you know, using rivers and lakes to find food. And, you know, Loch Ness has an abundance of salmon and other fish. So there's plenty of stuff for a Greenland shark to feed on. Right. You know, so that one that one seems more plausible than some of the other ones. Um, the other one that I like is the Wells catfish, you know. Yeah, that one I would I would hang my hat closer to Wells. Yeah. And, and like I had mentioned before, in July 2015, three news outlets reported that Steve Feltham after a vigil at the lock, which was recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records, theorized that the monster is an unusually large specimen of whales catfish, uh, which could have been released during the late 19th century. So we know these these particular catfish can get very large. Yes. Um, and can live a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as much not as long as turtles, but I mean 40, 50 years, right. if, if the estimates are correct, you know, so um, plus if there was more than one, you know, they're they're multiplying, you know, and if the lake is that deep, you know, they're, they're not being hauled up by fishermen. No. So suffice to say, it's a possibility, you know, that if, if one, the only thing I don't like about it is that, you know, catfish as a rule are bottom feeders, mm-hmm. and and they don't just come popping up to the surface routinely. They right. they do. Yeah, they do. If there's the, a food source, right? But not all the time. Um, but that could play into the fact of of why the why the sightings are sparse and why they're not seen so often that you know somebody could say, "Oh, that's what it is." Hey, right. we we got enough. You know, but I like I like Felton's idea mm-hmm. but again like i said he didn't say that it was that he said that it could be that um you know and numerous other animals and you know misidentification of of objects trees um optical illusions all that stuff i'm not going to get into a bunch of those details because we've, we've talked about them on on past shows 
Seismic gas. Boy, that's another one. That's a new one that we hadn't talked about. Um, I had that last night. <laughs> it rattles the, rattles the walls. Taco Bell, baby. <laughs> Shake the house with my seismic <laughs> The neighbors gas. felt it. Um, this goes back to um, the the biography of, of St. Columba. Um, you know, there there was an idea that uh, there was an earthquake, and when the plate shifted, that part of the bottom of the lake could have opened up and and let out, you know, gas. Um, so the lake farted, and <laughs> yeah. people saw it. The bottom opened up, released some gas. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean it. It sounds like that would be a one-shot deal. Right. That's what I was going to say. It is a possibility. But yeah. unless, you know, now to have all that be the case for all the sightings, you would have to have a fault line that stays open or that opens and closes quite often. And I think geologists would know that. Right. Geologists would say we have a fault line that releases gas and it releases it periodically over the decades and they would know, and it doesn't, I mean, you got to look at how gas comes out of a lake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to roll and boil or go and right. shoot a plume of water up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just like create a bubble that then floats along the water. Right. That you would mistake as something else. You know, I get the ripples. I get the, yeah, you know, they're saying ripples. disturbance. But, but again, you know, it, it's a one-shot thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is indeed what St. Columbus saw, right? you know, he saw it. Nobody else did. Right. They're not seeing it for 100 years. Right. You know, so, um, and there's there's plenty of folklore. And, you know, if, if I've got a business selling Loch Ness t-shirts, you know, I'll, you know, my parents went to Loch Ness and all I got was this lousy t-shirt shop. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to keep perpetrating this legend. Sure. You know. I want to I want to say, you know, oh, well, you know, somebody saw it just last week. And, you know, you know, because I want people to keep coming. Right. You right. Know? So and, and that's true for a lot of these other places where they're capitalizing on the name of the monster that's in the lake. Right. You know. Right. Um, but some of the folklore suggests that, like we've said before, a story about a monster in the lake is meant to keep you out of the lake Mm -hmm. you know it's a survival thing um but i do want to wrap up and and, you know i went about this a little bit differently because if you've done any reading on loch ness um we would have come out with this show this time last year if i'd have gone through all of this and i didn't want to bore you with a bunch of stories and data and everything that's why i wanted to give you some of these sightings and, and what they've chalked them up as but the most fun I had studying up on Loch Ness was reading about the hoaxes, mm-hmm. the ones that bona fide hoaxes. We've already talked about one, you know, the most famous one. Right. Uh, most famous photo turns out to be the most famous hoax. But, you know, here's here's some other good ones. So in, in 1972, a team of zoologists from Yorkshire Flamingo Park Zoo searching for the monster discovered a large body floating in the water. Okay, The corpse was about 16 to 18 feet long and weighed as much as one and a half tons. 
It was described by the Press Association as having a bear's head and a brown scaly body with claw-like fins, which uh-huh. does, doesn't really fit any other description. No. Of um, the creature was placed in a van to be carried away for testing, but police seized the cadaver under an act of parliament prohibiting the removal of unidentified creatures from Loch Ness. It was later revealed that the Flamingo Park Education Officer John Shields shaved the whiskers and otherwise disfigured a bull (laughs) elephant seal, which had died the week before and dumped it in Loch Ness to dupe Uh. his colleagues. So on July 2nd, 2003, Gerald McSorley discovered a fossil, supposedly from the creature, when he tripped and fell into the lock. And after an examination, it was clear the fossil had been planted. Uh, so he tripped over the hoax. <laughs> good grief. <laughs> uh, but this next one is good. In the, in the five TV program Loch Ness Monster, The Ultimate Experience, it describes that in 2004, the documentary team, using cinematic special effects, tried to convince people that there was something in the lock. They constructed an animatronic model of a plesiosaur. Here we go again with the plesiosaurs. And they called it Lucy. And despite some setbacks, namely when they put it in the water, it sank and went to the bottom. So they had to kind of start from scratch. Big setback. (laughs) Uh, About 600 sightings were reported just from those guys. Wow, that was a big boom. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's really hard to say, yeah, there's a Loch Ness monster. And I know I'm I'm disappointing a lot of y'all because it is fun. I mean, it's fun to have this idea that there is this prehistoric or unknown or gigantic creature that lives in Loch Ness. I mean, people have talked about this thing for years. It's my opinion that they're going to be talking about it for years to come. Right. I mean, this the Loch Ness Monster will never go away, regardless nope. of how much evidence scientists put out there, regardless of how many hoaxes are uncovered. There will always be stories from Loch Ness. It is too big. It is too famous. And it is too much fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I think, honestly, like I said, there's something there. There's some things there. And they just haven't been able to pinpoint which one or ones are responsible for the sightings that are not hoaxes, you know, for the sightings that aren't a tree limb floating down, you know. Right. And and I, I just, I think it's great. And like I said at the beginning, you can't have Lake Monster Month without talking about Nessie. Oh, of course not. Yeah. So um, I, I know, uh, you know, many of you are probably thinking, Man, I've heard more stories than that. Yeah, me too. And uh, just in the sake of time, I try to narrow it down as much as I could. Um, But, you know, I did have a lot of fun doing this. And, you know, I knew that everybody was waiting. You know, when are they going to talk about Nessie? Right. Well, we did. So we did. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) But now I'm going to turn it over to Adam and we're going to talk about Tahoe Tessie. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) How far are you willing to go to save your child from being consumed by a sickening evil? Devil Eye is a new thriller where a young mother dares the unthinkable to save her daughter from a cruel, 
not-so-imaginary friend that lurks in their home. Can a paranormal podcast host help her uncover the secret of the devil eye? This suspenseful tale will take you to the crossroads of insanity and the supernatural, where love and death collide. Devil Eye by Anthony S. Ward and S.J.D. Connell. Buy it now on Amazon or at devil-i.com. That's devil-i.com. Like we talked about in the beginning, it, it is touted as the United States Nessie. And I don't like that name just because we've got to figure out something else to call these other lake monsters or or legends of lake monsters but that's just yeah me. that's right let, let nessie you know let nessie have his or her day right and then so we, we got to talk about tahoe tessie though but first let's get into what kind of the geography and stuff of lake tahoe now lake tahoe lies between the sierra nevada range and the carson range and it straddles both california and nevada now, it's 22 miles long and 12 miles wide, and it has 72 miles of shoreline. So this is a big lake, but it's not the biggest around lake. However, it is one of the deepest lakes in the United States because its average depth of 1,000 feet with a max depth of 1,645 feet. Man, that's deep. This is a deep, deep, deep lake. Yeah. It's way deeper than you can dive. Um, But below the 600-foot depth, the water stays at a constant 39 degrees all year long. And about that line is where you run out of all light. So it's just dark and cold down there all year long. Yeah, sounds so inviting. Oh, yeah, it's great. Two things I, I don't enjoy, dark and cold. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so if you've looked up anything about Tahoe Tessie, I guarantee you will have seen a quote that is supposedly attributed to Jacques Cousteau. He was apparently went there to explore the lake with a submersible and to dive. And he apparently came up after and stated the world isn't ready for what is down there. And then he refused to release any footage or pictures that he got from his dive. See, that seems suspect right there. Yeah. The problem is there's no evidence that he ever said this and he never even visited the lake. Mm -hmm. So this quote has nothing to do with Jacques Cousteau. Somebody made it up and somebody said that Cousteau said it. I read somewhere that his son went there. Yo, you're, oh, yeah. oh, I, you're, I just, you're, I, Adam just gave me the finger, <laughs> the finger that says you're stepping on my story. The finger that says <laughs> I was a breath away from saying <laughs> his grandson did visit the lake in 2002. Oh, his grandson. His grandson. Oh, okay. Uh, he visited it in 2002, but it was only for a speaking engagement. Right. He yeah, had, he had nothing too. to do with searching the lake or anything like that. Um, now, one of the biggest rumors that you'll hear about the lake is that it is a mafia graveyard. Oh, yeah. That the mafia would dump bodies there during the 50s, and it, you know, the bodies sink in their cement shoes down to the bottom, and mm-hmm. because of the cold and the depth, that they don't decompose. Yeah. So there are stories of fishermen that get their line hung 
and then they pull up an ear that they've ripped off of a corpse or one was even that they pulled up a three-fingered hand where somebody got apparently got their fingers chopped off by the mob before they were sent to swim with the fishes. Yeah. Now, there's also stories that there are Chinese laborers from the Transcontinental Railroad that were dumped there that instead of being paid, they would kill them and dump them in the lake. That's kind of believable. It yeah, it's kind of believable because those people were treated like garbage. Yeah, they they were they, it was I mean, just, they were they were slaves. It was horrible. Yeah, um, but the problem is that there's a huge population of crayfish that were introduced into this lake in the 1800s. It's a non-natural species. So if you know anything about crayfish, they are the trash compactors of a lake or ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So if you were to dump a body in there, no matter where it fell. They're going to find it. Yeah, these billions of crayfish that are now in the lake would find it and eat it. No matter how cold it is, it wouldn't survive for more than a few years. So it could have been a dumping ground for the mafia. Not saying that. And, you know, you may find skeletal remains down there, but you're not going to find these intact bodies that everybody says is down there. Um, Now... One of the things that you can't talk about a purported lake monster without talking about is underwater caves and tunnels. So there are said to be a ton of underwater caves and tunnels in Lake Tahoe. And these are stated that they connect to Pyramid Lake. And we talked about that last week, that bodies will turn up they'll go missing in one lake and turn up in the other lake due to this underwater connection. So it's these crayfish. They're dragging these bodies from Pyramid Lake over to Lake Tahoe for all their other buddies to to eat. That's what it is. It's a buffet. Yeah, that's right. Right. Crayfish buffet. (laughs) Um, These tunnels are supposedly lava tubes and stuff that from, you know, way, way in history. Uh, that filled with water, and they now connect the two lakes. So, you know, every every one of these lake monsters that you hear about, and, and it's even been said in Loch Ness that there are tunnels that will connect to either salt water, they'll connect out to the ocean or to other lakes, so that the lake monster can travel. And it it may be the same lake monster that encompasses all these lakes. But, you know, Loch Ness, Ogopogo, Champ, and Tessie all have these theories that kind of revolve around it. And Native American legend from that area kind of helps increase that some. Because one of the rumored legends is that Tessie lives in a cave, kind of like this, this largemouth tunnel. So... It's a big opening, and then it goes back and back and becomes a tunnel that connects to other lakes. But this is beneath cave rock in the lake. And we talked about water babies last week. Lake Tahoe also has legends of water babies around cave rock and of a ginormous bird called the Ong, who apparently has a nest that is on the bottom of this lake. So it's got. I mean, a bird has a nest on the bottom of the lake? Right. According to Native American legend, there's water babies, a giant lake monster, Tessie, 
and then a giant bird that lives in this lake. So it's a, a semi-aquatic bird. I wonder if it's at, if it's as big as that bird you gave me just a few minutes ago for stepping on your store. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is bigger than that, Matt. <laughs> so one of the most common things in all the sightings, we'll get into the sightings here because there's not, you know, Matt had a whole lot of data to call through and a whole lot of sightings to call through but Tessie doesn't have that much, to be honest with you. Tessie is not a, you She's know, shy. yeah, real shy, doesn't have a lot of history, though there are several reports that I have found. Um, one of the, the most common things is that Tessie is fast. And you'll see this in a few of these sightings. Now, in the 1950s, there were two off-duty police officers that they saw a large black hump that rose out of the lake and moved fast enough to keep up with their boat. So as we've talked before, police officers, when they, when they tell you something, you know, they're trained observers. So a lot of times their observations are taken with a little more credibility than others. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1979, a sighting, by Rick Osborne and three friends saw Tessie feeding on trout. And we don't normally get reports of lake monsters feeding, you know? So this, this was taken fairly seriously by any cryptozoologist that researched Tessie. Um, They said it was about 30 to 60 feet long and it was as big around as a telephone pole. And it was seen splashing up and down into a school of trout as if it was undulating in and catching the trout and eating. So that was that's one of the sightings that people point to all the time uh, from 1979 that shows that there is a large creature in the lake. Now, in 1982, there were, again, two officers, and I'm going to say his last name wrong, but Chris Beebe and Jerry Jones, and that's not the Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones. That's mm. the police officer. Um, they were water skiing and they saw a huge dark animal that looked like the top of a Volkswagen Beetle. They got within six feet of it and they estimated it to be 18 to 30 feet long. Now, the problem is with police officers that report stuff like this, they tend to lose credibility with their peers. People, you know, they don't want to hear that from their fellow officers. They think right. they're drinking. They think they're going crazy, something like that. Well, unfortunately, this was the case with Officer Beebe. He lost his credibility, and he ended up leaving his job and moving away from the area, and he never returned to the lake. And that that's pretty sad Yeah, because, you know, this is one of the things that keeps people from reporting anomalous sightings is that they get ridiculed so much for seeing something off or something different that people don't necessarily believe that they just don't, they don't report it. So we don't get a lot of these, right? You know, because everybody's like, well, I don't, I don't want to say anything, you know, I'm going to get ridiculed. I may get laughed off the force and you know, it's not good. Well, and some of it too is where people will see something and then in their mind go, I I didn't really see what I thought I saw. Right. Or that was really something totally normal. And I just caught a glimpse of it and it seemed abnormal to me. 
Right. You talk so yourself pass, out of they it. They pass it off. Right. Because they're like, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to tell these people, I saw this and it did that and that. And they're going to go, yeah, you saw a seal or mm-hmm. right. sea otters or something. And they're just going to look at you. Oh, well, this guy's, you know, he's an idiot or he's just, he's, he, he's not a local, you know, he, right. he doesn't he's know tourists. They come yeah. out here and, you know, so I think that keeps a lot of people from saying anything at all, mm-hmm. you know, other than maybe, you know, going home and saying, Hey, I saw this thing, you know, it's crazy. And you know, it surely it was something normal, but to me, it looked like, right. it looked like a monster. Right. Well, in the early 1980s, again, there was a man named Gene St. Dennis who had a couple different encounters with Tessie. Um, He saw a blotchy gray creature about 10 to 15 feet long that made a V-shaped wake, surfaced, and then swam away. Now, keep in mind, St. Dennis is a fisherman. He, He charters fishing boats, and he's a diver. So while he was diving, he and a friend were swimming over this hole in kind of one of the more shallow areas of the lake that they could get down to. And something they said was about 16 feet long, and it came rushing out of the hole and began swimming away. So they froze in place, and they waited for the silt to settle from where this thing went swimming away. And they said they could see fin prints in the mud from where something had been sitting on the bottom. Now, to me, that kind of sounds like a catfish. Mm-hmm. You know, because you a catfish will sit on the bottom. And, you know, if it, it is a silty bottom there, um, you watch a lot of the videos and they'll send a camera down on a tether because it's just too deep to dive. You can't dive it. Um, and when, if it hits the bottom, you'll uh, silt just comes up and it stays in the, the water column for a long time. So it's going to hold any marks on the bottom if a catfish were sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, twice St. Dennis has experienced fish that he caught being mauled as they were being reeled in. So he's reeling one fish in, and it had its hindquarters completely ripped off. And another time, a 13-pound, 35-inch-long fish had teeth marks in it that were large enough to fit a pencil into so there is something large in this lake that's preying on fish. Mm-hmm. And it's reminiscent of the sharks in South Africa and Australia that will wait for boats to fish. And then it's an easy meal and they'll take fish off the fisherman's line mm-hmm. because it's an easy meal. So it sounds to me like there is something in this lake that has learned to do that. And, you know, I've done a lot of fishing. You're not going to have a fish thrash around and hit something on the bottom of the lake that punctures it to look like teeth marks. You know, something had to have bitten it. Mm -hmm. Um, There was another instance in the 1980s that occurred around Cave Rock. There were two fishermen that saw a 15-foot serpent pass under the water around their boat. So there's a lot of sightings now that have happened around the cave rock area. 
And that goes back to the Native American legend. Now, there were several anecdotal, you know, stories throughout this time after that sighting. And some people said they got video of it, but the video was never released, never showed it to anybody. You can't find it to this day. So that's kind of passed off as they just said they had it and they don't really. Um, But in April of 2006, there was apparently a mass sighting off of Commons Beach. An unusual creature stuck its head out of the water and was observed by a large group of onlookers. Now, uh, they say that the skeptics will tell you that the best evidence for there not being a monster in the lake came from 1998 when the USGS conducted a sonar scan of the lake floor. This is like the sonar scan that Matt was talking about in Loch Ness, where they run a boat and they scan the bottom. So they say they didn't find a monster, so obviously there's nothing in the lake. The problem with that is, unless the monster or the large fish is underneath the boat at the time that it is passing with the sonar on, you're not going to see it. You're going to get a map of the bottom of the lake, sure, but it's a stitched together image. So it's not like a video camera running all the time where, you know, you can see it out in the side or something like that. It has to be under the sonar to be able to see that it's there. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's not the best evidence that something's not there. You know, that's just evidence that it wasn't under the boat when they were doing the sonar scan. Right. And when they do these sonar scans, I mean, if you can imagine being able to take a photograph of the entire lake all at once, just bam. Right. And that's what you get. You can't obviously do that. Mm -hmm. So your photograph, when you look at it, is essentially you start at one end of the photograph and you're looking at, at time in a picture because this is the way it looked at this point in time. Here's the next part of the lake, mm-hmm. but it's delayed. Right. So there's always that chance that, hey, you missed it. Yeah. And then it went by and you missed it again. Right. You know, and not just for any kind of monster, for, just for anything. Fish. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't do a sonar scan like that and pick up every fish that's in that freaking lake. Right. You know, because that would just be too easy. We would know everything. All yeah, the time you just go find way. find one. I mean, that's that's where you get you know stories like, well, there's a four hundred pound catfish in this mm-hmm. lake, and it's been there for thirty five years. And my granddaddy tried to fish for it, and my daddy did. Right. And you get those stories because you can't do that. You right. can't go and say, yeah, there he is, and let's chase him around, and then we'll catch him, and we'll say, hey, we caught this big giant fish. Right? You know, it just it just doesn't work that way. So. It's not indisputable evidence that there's nothing there. Right. You know, it's good evidence, but it's not indisputable. Right. And there's a guy that now he's still doing it. Um, He is taking a camera in a basically kind of looks like a torpedo thing. And it's in a housing so that it's waterproof and it can stand the pressure of going 
down to the bottom of this lake, at least a thousand feet down. And he's dropping it on a tether and dropping it down. And if you search Tahoe Tessie, you'll see some of the footage that he took. Um, one of the images looks like a shark. It's got the same outline of a shark and it kind of moves like a shark does. Uh, some scientists say, oh, that's a lake trout. I don't know of a lake trout that looks like that. I'm not saying it's a shark, but I don't know of a lake trout that looks like that. That's too much of a cop-out answer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another video that when it hits the bottom and the silt comes up, something passes in the silt. So you see a fin and all that. But again, there's no scale and you can't see it clearly. So it could be anything. And the one thing that that camera does prove is how dark it really is. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you do down there, you know, there's it's an almost an impossibility to see what you need to see when you're down there. If you could send a camera down there with lights on it, you may not see more than a couple feet in front of you. So a giant fish or something could be five feet away from you. Yeah, standing, and, standing right behind you. Right, and you would never see it because it's just too dark. So what are some of the theories for Tessie? Well, there's always the sturgeon. You know, everybody. Yeah, always. Every time you get a lake monster, it's a sturgeon. And that's possible. I mean, you know, you can't throw that out. But, again, I say I think people would know what a sturgeon looks like, you know, especially these fishermen that fish the lake all the time. They know what a sturgeon looks like. I'm sure they've caught them. A sturgeon also is not going to leave teeth marks in a fish that are big enough to put a pencil into. Right. Um, They say, well, you're seeing waves. But that doesn't account for the people who are diving and having something large swim past them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously the extinct animal, like we've talked before. Um, but you know, none of those really fit for me uh, as to what is in Lake Tahoe. I'm really on the fence about Lake Tahoe. I don't know because it's such a deep, deep lake that there could be anything in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so deep that there could be there could be animals and fish in there that we don't even know exist. You know, it's it's a type of fish that we don't know exist or that we don't know exist there. in the United States. Right. Period. And we're not we haven't been able to find out. We're not going to be able to find out. Until our technology increases to be able to go down there and light up that lake. Yeah. What if it's a giant crayfish? Yeah. I mean, seriously. They get you know, pretty big. Yeah. It could be, at this point, literally anything because yeah. that lake is so big. Yeah. And, and and I like the idea that it's it's not the same thing. Right. That what this person reported that they saw and what that person reported that they saw were two different things. They're not seeing the same thing over and over and over, but they're not seeing enough of it to identify it. Right. So, well, that's why that's where you get these, you know, descriptors of it was black or it was gray or it was scaly or it had a fin or it had spots or it looked to be about 30 feet long or it looked to be about 120 feet long Mm -hmm. because people aren't seeing the same thing over and over and over. 
Right. So that it's not a single, you know, creature, that it's multiple creatures causing these disturbances on the water or swimming past a diver or showing up as a as a large object on, on a sonar picture. You know, any of that stuff, you're just, you're not capturing any single individual creature. Right. And that makes it even harder to pin down what exactly could be there, you know, what people are seeing, because they're not all seeing the same thing. Right. And it, it you know, it leads me to what, you know, what I think that we we need to keep an eye on Lake Tahoe and keep an eye on these people that are researching Lake Tahoe, because, you know, I, I would put money on the fact that we are going to discover something new in Lake Tahoe that we didn't know was there. Mm hmm. Because of the sightings that we get and how little we know of the lake that within the next 10 years or so, we're going to find something and we're going to not know, you know, well, oh, really that that lives there? Well, that explains it, you know, and there's a guy, like I said, actively now that's trying to send cameras down so that we can get, you know, visual evidence of something. And he's not out there searching for Tessie. He's just out there exploring the bottom of the lake. Yeah. And, you know, so keep an eye out and, you know, if you go to Lake Tahoe, keep an eye out, fish, you know, drop a line down there, see what you pull up. I I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be a body from the mob, but you may (laughs) catch one of these weird creatures that are there. So let us know, you know, if you liked, a, if you liked this episode, B, if you liked Lake Monster Month. Yeah. Um, like we said at the top of the episode, this is the last of Lake Monster Month, and we will be off next week. But shoot us your theories about any of them, any of the lake monsters that we've talked about. Um, the most famous lake monster of all, Loch Ness Monster Nessie. That's right. Um, or any of these. And, you know, hit yeah. us up. And if you want to hit us up, Go follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram by searching Graveyard Tales and join our Facebook group. Boy, that is the easiest way to to get Adam or I's attention is get in that Facebook group and and be active. You you wouldn't believe the the stories and the the fun and the jokes and that all of our members do and Adam and I just get to sit back and and watch it you know we make comments on it i mean it's fantastic i mean the group has well over 500 members now we appreciate everybody getting in there and and being so active and and having a good time with with us um and be sure to go to our website graveyardpodcast.com because on our website you can find information about becoming a patron of the show which allows adam and i to keep this up uh, it's got links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise. Uh, and, of course, you can listen to the show. And from now until October, you're going to find information on how to purchase your tickets for our live event on October 20th with Hillbilly Horror Stories, uh, EVP Mediums, and Macabre Melts right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, 
As always, we ask everyone, please go on iTunes and rate and review us because this is the way that the show gets found and it brings more people into the graveyard. So to end Lake Monster Month, Adam and I want to thank you guys for listening. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Hey.